Let me share a word with you this morning. That word is occupy. Say it with me. Occupy. Occupy till I come comes from a parable that Jesus spoke to his disciples. In the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus told them the parable of the minas. And that's another term for a type of finance or money. The parable of the minas, you might know it as the parable of the talents. And when we say talents, that's another currency of that age, that day. It doesn't mean whether you're a ballet dancer or you can play piano. It's, it's a parable about a rich man who had money and he's going out of the country and he wants those who work for him to invest his finance and make more money. That's usually what people who have a lot of money want to do, is make more. Jesus is telling about this parable and he gives each one of them. Now, this parable of the minas is different than the parable of the talents, just in the particulars of what amounts he gave to each person. And some people say, ah, we have a contradiction in the Bible. You have the same story but different aspects being told. Well, that would be quite typical of a storyteller, of a rabbi. A rabbi is going to tell his teachings of the kingdom uh, over the three years, and as he does that, he's going to add different uh, ideas and principles within the structure of the parable to keep the people's interest. That's nothing unusual for a storyteller. And so Jesus is telling the parable that has the same impact as the minas as it does to the parable of the talents. The point is that this ruler is going to give the people finance and they're supposed to invest it and do something with it so that there will be a return. Be fruitful and multiply. And he says this, he says, occupy till I come. In other words, be about the business. What is this word occupy? And I would imagine that the verse that Jesus is speaking and the parable is for us. That as he leaves, he is investing something of great, great value within us. Can you imagine what that would be? His own nature, the spirit of holiness, God's own Holy Spirit invested in us. And he says, occupy, produce. And so what is the meaning of this word, occupy? And uh, teach you a Greek word today, pragmatuomai. Uh, and so pragmatuomai means to occupy. Pragma, it's where we get the word pragmatic. To be pragmatic is to do a necessary thing. Pragma. Tu, omai. A necessary business, a necessary labor. So when he says, occupy till I come, he's saying, do the investment and the necessary things of laboring to produce fruit. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Some of us just occupy in the sense that we just occupy space. So when Jesus said, occupy till I come, he didn't mean just sit still and do nothing. It's quite the opposite of what that word means. Invest so Bring about the riches that I've given you so that they will multiply and produce. Now, in order to occupy or to labor or to pursue the business of the kingdom of God, that's what we're to be producing. 
that we have an imperishable seed, the Word of God, that if you will plant it, it will bear fruit because the Holy Spirit and God will water it. And it will not return void. When he sends his word out, it will do what he says it will do. But in this parable, you've got two of the guys laboring and working because they want to produce back for the, the uh, king. But there's one who's afraid to take the risk and afraid to do the work, so he buries it, thinking that's good enough. He's literally just occupying space. And that's not good enough. And when the king returns, he takes what that guy had and he gives it to the guy that knows how to use it and invest it. That makes sense to me. But the parable is, be busy about my father's work. You remember when Jesus went to the temple at age 12. They were missing him. They didn't know where he was. He said, I am about my father's work. He was occupying and producing at that young age. There is no age limit to occupying and doing the work of the Lord. And so that's what we're supposed to do. Now there's two things, two elements that happen when we're supposed to occupy. One is risk and one is effort. Takes both of those. So when we are supposed to produce something, it's a risk. It may fail. And people who know how to make things happen take risks. You might get rejected. Someone might say, get away from me. Stop talking to me about that Jesus stuff. That's the risk you'll have to take. You might get punched in the mouth. That's the risk you're going to have to take. You might be scolded. You might be scorned. Whatever it is. But if you don't take the risk to step out for the kingdom of God, you're not going to produce much. And so you take the risk. You could fall flat on your face. But what you would hear from heaven is, well done. Good and faithful servant. Take the risk. Take the risk. And then it's going to take effort. And that's what the one man in the parable did not do. He didn't put the effort in. He buried it. Thought, good. The king came back. He said, you could have put it in the bank. There was enough intrinsic power within that finance that it would have accrued interest. But instead you buried it. There is enough intrinsic power in the nature of the Holy Spirit in you that if you would just let him be who he is, you'll produce fruit. Even if you don't tell anybody else, but you pray, you'll produce fruit. Just don't hold this thing back. Take the risk and put in the effort. Now, that's what the church is supposed to do throughout the world. We are to take the risk and we are to put in the effort and we are to occupy. We are to be about the Lord's business. And that business is saving souls and being a light and salt to the earth. So no matter where you are and no matter what government you serve and no matter what land you're in, if you're in communist China and you're a believer, you are to take the risk and put in the effort to spread the gospel. And it costs them. But despite their government and despite their opportunity, they will take every opportunity and effort to occupy till Jesus comes. Maybe you're in Russia and you're a believer. And so you take the risk and you preach the gospel. Maybe you're in South Africa. Maybe you're in Cuba. 
Maybe you're in South America. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not based on the political system or the culture that you live in. Because we are a culture unto ourselves. We don't conform to the culture. We speak to it the kingdom of God. And we occupy our territory and our position and our place to be salt, no matter what our government is, no matter what our culture is, no matter what our society is, no matter where we are at in all of the mix of that, whether we are rich, whether we are poor, whether we are slave or free, male or female, we preach the gospel. And we occupy, we occupy, and that's the story of that parable. A parable is a vehicle. It gets you to a knowledge of where you should be. And so this is what we're to do. We're to occupy in our culture the kingdom of God. And so this morning I want to speak to you about the United States of America and how the church needs to occupy your position to bring the best effort of the kingdom of God to occupy and last in this nation as long as we can make it last and have impact. Now, despite how these elections turn out, guess what we're supposed to do even after uh, November 3rd and 4th? Occupy. We pray for those in leadership. We pray that the kingdom of God will have a way and a move. Nothing has shaken in our kingdom. You have got to see and elevate yourself above the dictates of men. Now, we're to be obedient. Romans 13 says, obey the laws of the land, pray for those in authority, 1 Timothy 2. Of course, we're supposed to do those things. But there are times when they come into conflict. And when they come into conflict, as Peter and John said, as they were told not to speak the name of Jesus, they said, we shall obey the laws of God. So when the law of the land tries to supersede the law of God, I'm sorry, but I belong to a sovereign nation of priests and kings. And I will follow the Lord and take the consequences like Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood. As he opposed Hitler, he understood that in doing this, it may cost me my life, but I must occupy the kingdom authority. And so here we are in the United States, and there's an election coming, and we as a church and as Christians need to occupy the territory and take a position that will produce as best possible the occupying of biblical values. This election has come down to not necessarily the aspect of labor and economy and finance and so forth, what is now at stake is morality. And that's what this race is. Now, we belong to a system where we have the opportunity in a democracy to vote. And there are a couple vehicles that we can vote with. There are two main parties and an independent party. And that independent party isn't really going to occupy what needs to take place for us. So we are stuck with two parties to choose from. And so what we have to do is determine what would best occupy the principles of the Bible and the moral and value of Scripture in our nation. So we're going to have to make that decision. It's going to be a tough one. And so we have to figure this out. And so one of our biggest problems 
is which vehicle are you going to get in? We've got to figure out which vehicle to get in and which direction it's driving. But one of the biggest problems I would say in this election this year is that we are stuck with drivers that you may not like. And so what of these two drivers are you going to choose? And I would encourage you not to base your occupying for the kingdom purpose based on the personality of the bus driver. you got to get on a bus. Now, I am absolutely stunned um, by John Piper. I don't know if you know who John Piper is and follow some of them, but John Piper is a very popular evangelical preacher, and he just came out saying, I'm not voting at all. I'm not going to vote in this election because I can't vote for either candidate. And uh, many evangelicals are saying, you know, I'm not going to, uh, there's, if, if it's uh, vote for the bad or the worse, either way, it's bad, I'm not going to vote. And that is not occupying. That is not taking the effort that you have that's burying what God has given you, the opportunity to speak. And so it may not be, remember, neither of these buses are Christian. This is secular, all right? This isn't the gospel bus. There's many Christians trying to turn them into the gospel bus. And you're going to be disappointed because neither party is the gospel bus. So they're both secular buses. So you're not going to agree with everybody sitting in a seat on that bus with you. But... Not voting is not occupying or investing the kingdom purposes into this election. And so we must find a way as to which bus. <clears throat> I would agree that both bus drivers are just odd. <laughs> okay? But I'm not getting on the bus for the bus driver. I'm getting on the bus for the destination. And that's what we have to look at this morning, the destination. So what you need to look at is the bus or the vehicle that you're getting on, the passengers with it, and the destination. And we've got to figure out what is the destination of each vehicle. That's where we occupy. And so what I want to try to accomplish is what... Uh, a bus that I get on will further the cause of the kingdom or even if not that sustain to some level some aspect of the word of God in our culture that's what I'm looking at and knowing that they are both secular in nature they're not going to be the gospel bus and they're not going to cover everything that I understand scripture should cover. And in fact, mo either one may have aspects to the gospel I need to pay attention to and that have value. But I've got to get on the one that's going to take me to the destination that will cause scripture morality to sustain longer if possible. It may run out of gas. I understand that and that is my risk. But I have to get closer to occupying than possible. So, let's take a look at each of these buses. And I'm 
inspection, as we look closer to some of these buses, we look at their bumper stickers and their signs that are on the buses, and we find that they're interesting. So on some of these signs and stickers, on the one bus, we see a slogan, Black Lives Matter. That I can get behind. Black Lives Matter. Jesus says black lives matter. How many of you know that? Jesus loves red and yellow, black and white. Everyone is precious in his sight. I can say black lives matter. So I I can agree with that. But there's a symbol attached to that phrase that goes beyond the concept that black lives matter. And I see the symbol, and it is the same symbol as the Socialist Communist Party. And I have to ask, why is that with that phrase? I agree with the phrase, but yet something dynamically has happened to that phrase that has become political. And as I look at the Communist Socialist Party, I have to look at, well, what is the organization of Black Lives Matter? And I find out that it is steeped in socialist communist rhetoric. And I also find out that all of its fundraising goes to that bus and that vehicle, which has now made it something strictly political. And with it comes ideologies of defunding police and so forth, which to me is so radically wrong to the well-being of our nation that I have a problem getting on that bus. When I peel back that bumper sticker, I see that there's something underneath it, too, that's somewhat contradictory. It's an old, older bumper sticker under that sticker, and it surprises me because it shows me this bus used to drive to some rallies that I'm shocked about. This bus defended slavery, started the Civil War, opposed Reconstruction, and founded the Ku Klux Klan. It imposed segregation and fought against civil rights acts from the 1950s and 60s. I have a problem getting on that bus for that. Now, the other bus... Its original bus driver was the one who wrote the Emancipation Proclamation. And on that other bus, they supported ending slavery and equal rights for black Americans. So that seems to be a seat I can occupy. The other bus I go back to, and it's got a Planned Parenthood sticker, which again is a contradiction to Black Lives Matters because Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, in her letters, made the statement that the purpose of Planned Parenthood and its efforts were to eliminate African Americans. And Planned Parenthood establishes its abortion clinics wherever there are large populations of black Americans. So I have, again, a real contradiction. I'm confused by the stickers on that bus, and I can't sit on it. So I have to look at the other bus and realize it is pro-life. That bus has a pro-life sticker that believes beyond the value of a choice, the fact that all lives matter and that the baby in the womb is a life. I can sit on that bus. I look at this other bus and I realize that there are issues that are moving in its destination towards socialism, and I have a problem with that. It 
in fact, touts no borders at all and let everybody come in. And the other bus says that we need to have legal immigration. You can't just open up all borders. Most of us have fences in our backyards and locks on our doors so that we can determine who enters and doesn't enter. That's just called safety. And, and again, so I, I'm looking at the destination of these buses, and I, I, I think I can get on that bus. Both of them have LGBTQ um, stickers because, again, they're both secular buses. Both parties are going to cater to those special interest groups. And so I have to realize that if I get on either bus, I'm going to be sitting with people that, though I may be morally uh, opposed to the concepts, but I have to realize that in a secular culture, people want their individual rights and so forth. And, and so I know that there's going to be a mixed group on that bus. I, I, in fact, can't tell people to get off the bus. In fact, the, the red, this other bus here, it, it says that it's for constitutional values. And so if it's for the freedom of speech, it should allow the freedom of people to speak their mind and their ideas. And I still back that up. And the First and Second Amendments of the freedom of religion. So if I get on that bus with the freedom of religion, then there'll be Muslims and Buddhists and others on there. But I'm okay with that because I believe in the freedom of religion because if you shut them down, you're shutting, you'll shut the church down too. So I, I can get on that bus. What I've found with the other bus is they are shutting down the freedom of speech and freedom of religion for a particular group, which is Christianity. And that is a problem for me. And uh, so I understand the other problem with the LGBTQ on this bus is that, in fact, uh, it supports the uh, agenda that has become politicized more than the sense of freedom of choice, where on this other bus, it may support the LGBTQ, it advances the protection for family, and that's essential to me where the other has, in fact, even said we need to eliminate the traditional family structure. That is a problem for me. The other is, on this bus over here, is for ecology and the Green Deal, and that is a real problem I see in our culture. Of course, as Christians, we're to care for this planet, and we're supposed to take care of it and watch it, but we have to also understand that you can't dismantle something within a short period of time and not have severe consequences. It used to be this bus was basically about big money and big business, but when you look at this bus, you'll see that Google, Facebook, Instagram, and all the major money makers are backing that one. So it's no longer about finance and big business. And what's problem with that is those are all the media moguls, and they are shutting down free speech. This is an issue. This is a problem. So, again, I have to decide what bus to get on and the destination it's going to go, despite the bus driver. I might have to put up with him. So, 
that's essential in my decision-making, and it's essential in your decision-making. And if I am commanded to occupy, do the business of the kingdom, sustain the moral value of the kingdom in this nation, I've got to get on a bus and occupy a seat that will get me to the destination that will best suit the preaching of the gospel. Now, there are going to be Christians who get on the other bus. My advice to them is preach the gospel. I don't have to be at war with them. My brother and my sister that gets on that bus, I don't know how long or how far they're going to get on that bus towards preaching the gospel, but I encourage them, you know, if God puts you on that bus, you feel that, you have a call to that, then preach the gospel. Don't get absorbed into that culture. Don't get lukewarm. Stay on fire. Preach the gospel. Amen? Remember, as a church, we come in many sizes, many flavors, many different attitudes, but we have one Savior, one King, and one commission. So wherever you are, preach the gospel. Amen? Remember that whatever bus you get on, you're to occupy. Please get on a bus that's going to continue the value of the gospel in our nation. So you have to make a decision this week. You have to decide what bus to get on. You need to put some effort into this. You need to research. You need to study. Get off the personality bandwagon and find out what direction these buses are going in and decide which one to occupy. Have a biblical reason for doing that. Amen? Don't hide your light under a bushel. Don't bury what God has given you. Remember, neither of these are the gospel bus. They're secular. You're going to run into some problems. That shouldn't be a problem. You're used to problems. We don't have as many problems as half the other people around this world do at trying to preach the gospel. So the bus you get on, we want to advance as long as we can the moral values of the Bible in this nation. I would encourage you to get on the bus. So what bus will you get on? What seat will you occupy? You're to engage in work until he returns. In fact, when you go to work and your job, you should do what? Occupy. When you go to the store this week, what should you do? When you enter a voting booth, what should you do? When you talk to others, what should you do? Every day, in every way, you should what? Occupy. Be about the Lord's business in every decision, in every effort to sustain a biblical worldview as much as you can. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask you to help us this morning and to continue to minister your truth and your grace. And that God, as we pray and we seek to know Lord God, what vehicle to occupy in this season? Would you speak to our hearts as to what would return the greatest return for the purpose of the kingdom of God? Not for our own finance, not for our own thought life, but for the value of the kingdom of God. Help us in Jesus' name.
Amen.